Hello and a warm welcome back to a very special episode of the Face Yoga Expert podcast because it is a coronation special. So here in the UK, we are celebrating the coronation of King Charles. And I thought in fitting with that, we should do a special royal episode. And I thought there is no one better to lead this than my friend Miranda Holder. And many of you will know Miranda as she was on the podcast a couple of years ago. She's known as a feel-good fashion coach and she's very much about dressing to feel good and very much combines wellness and spirituality with everything she does. But in the last year or so, she's very much become known for her royal correspondence. So she tends to talk about fashion and the royal family and what we can learn from their style secrets and their style hacks and how we can convert this into our own style and really start to make some fabulous decisions when it comes to our own wardrobe. And what we actually do in this episode is we go through the style tribes of certain members of the British royal family. So it's quite a bit of fun, but it's also a great way to start to understand a little bit more about your own personal style as well and how you can take tips from the royal family and then start to use this in day-to-day life for yourself. So Miranda is a celebrity stylist. She has been for many, many years. So everything that she says is very much informed from many years of knowledge and experience. So I really do hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Miranda, a warm welcome back to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. So excited to have you here again. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here in this very exciting royal week that we're in. I know. And we are going to do a royal family, British royal family special today, which is amazing because really that is a transition you've made over the last year or two. Many of you will already know you um, because you're one of my friends, because you've been on the podcast before, we've done Instagram lives together, and many people will know you as a feel-good fashion coach, but actually your career has taken a little bit of a turn in the last year or so, and you've become somewhat of an uh, amazing, very renowned royal fashion expert. Yeah, I have. It's funny, isn't it, how these things are never planned. And um, I mean, actually, between you and I, I was never the biggest royal fan before this one. <laughs> hilarious. I have to say, I have changed my tune, of course, since. <laughs> I'm all about it for the fashion. I'm here for the fashion. And I was asked to comment um, just in passing on, I think, one of Kate Middleton's outfits. And it all sort of mushroomed from there. And I think it's being in the right place in the right time and you know you might have your own plans but perhaps the universe has others for you and it has just mushroomed and actually I am really enjoying it but I'm still very much a feel-good fashion coach and I do my styling and things as well but it's they're a very interesting topic the royal family from their fashion to all of the the feuds and you know the controversy that goes on and I, I love how several of them dress it's um it, you know it's great to watch It really is great to watch. And I am always hooked on your Instagram posts, your TikTok, which has just exploded over the last year or so, and everything you share. And what I love about it is how you 
do it with such knowledge and experience, but also a little bit of humor as well, which I love. And you always bring your own sort of wellness. And I always feel your spirituality into it as well, because I mean, that's something that you and I connect with anyone that doesn't know, you know, we are friends as well as peers in this industry. So we talk to each other, we're we're voice noting at least once a week, if not more, aren't we? So we have lots in common when it comes to, to wellness and spirituality. But what I love with with the royals in particular is how you make it so digestible and also you make it almost convert it, how we mere mortals can actually start to wear those clothes ourselves, start to take inspiration from that. And because, of course, it's coronation weekend for anyone that that doesn't know, we're going to delve a little bit into some of those style hacks and some of those royal style chimes, because I know my audience are going to absolutely love it. So maybe you could start off telling us a little bit about, I guess, the sort of royal style tribe. So this is a post that I love that you did. You did a great article in the Daily Mail about it, about which style, royal style tribe are you. So tell us what that is. Well, actually, you see, again, it all happened by accident. The listeners probably will be familiar with the idea of style personalities. Um, And this is something that as a personal stylist, I will, it's a journey that I will walk my clients through. And it's about which you identify that. So they're sort of dramatic, feminine, romantic, creative. Um, Often they have slightly different names, but it's all about a bit of an identity so that when you then go shopping, you can say, right, does this fit the bill? Is this dramatic enough for me, if that's you or whatever? So then I looked at the royal family. Actually, you really can see that a lot of the royals have got, particularly royal women, have got their own, if you like, style personality, which is often even more turbocharged than the traditional ones because they're always in the royal spotlight and they really have quite a signature look, so many of them. So I thought it would be rather fun to do this very tongue-in-cheek article in the mail to find out which the readers were. And I discussed Kate Middleton, also Princess Catherine. she That's her official title, but she is very widely known still as Kate Middleton throughout she the world. Is. So I referred to her as Kate, that is why. It's a shorthand. Meghan Markle, I did, I did Princess Diana. Um, the Queen, Camilla. Um, and I think Princess and Eugenie. So those, those, did, were my, yeah. those were my subjects, if you like. And it was quite interesting to compare and contrast. And perhaps the listeners might might think they identify or aspire to be more like one or, you know, rather than another. Um, so starting with Kate. Yes, let's. She's obviously an international fashion icon anyway, as many of them are, um, helped by her lovely figure, her, her natural beauty um, and poise, I think, Actually, I think that's a great starting point is Kate's posture and the way she carries herself, whether it's the perfect photograph every time. And actually, I'm going to jump right in and reveal a, a little hack that yes. Kate uses for that. Um, so, so actually, I'd, I'd get your notepads out if you listen to this. <laughs> yeah, Donna, thank you for this. I <laughs> on TikTok this and had eight and a half views and, and counting. Um, it's still going up, but... You, you don't generally get a bad picture of Kate, do you? And this is partly due to her fantastic poison posture. And one very simple thing she does, which makes a huge amount of difference, is she simply keeps her chin 
parallel to the floor, which prevents either any double chins if it's too low, never a good look, or looking straight up her nostrils if it's too high. Um, and so if you bear that in mind, and just next time you're having your photograph taken, just retain that angle of your chin square to the ground. It makes an awful lot of difference, and you're like far more photographs of yourself than you did before. So you can have that out of the gates with <laughs> I love that tip. Yeah, it's really good and actually yeah. makes a big difference. Um, so back to Kate. She's very classical. She's very elegant. And she works very hard at her own style. And, it, you know, I, I'm going to say it didn't come completely naturally to her. It's something that's evolved over the years. And she works with a great stylist. And um, she puts a lot of hard work and effort now into developing every single look. And she's immaculately groomed. Um, and never really puts her hair out of place, you never see. Although we had controversy because we had some red fingernails at Easter. And that was, yes. that was very exciting because she put the royal rule there. <laughs> There's a strict etiquette about nail polish. And Kate's gone off the off the rails, which was very exciting. For crazy. Me. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> and, um, so she's very, very controlled, very beautiful, but very considered, very organised. Um, and in terms of her sort of silhouette and aesthetic, she has really developed her own style uniform. So when you think of Kate, a bit like the Queen as well, you pretty much can imagine, the Queen even more so, and we'll get to her in a moment, you can imagine what you're going to see. So she wears the same silhouette because she's managed to work out because she's put all of this hard work in, exactly what suits her frame the most. And that's going to be different for all of us, of course. I can't answer that question for the listeners, but Kate has really worked hard and she's got quite an athletic tall frame and slightly wider hips than her than shoulders. But she balances this all out by defining her waist. She always has a gentle flare on her bottom half, whether that's a wide leg trouser or a sort of an A-line skirt, something like that is her typical look. And then next time you, you see her, take a look, because she always have, has the fashion fun on the top half. But that's where she kind of goes to town. Um, and that balances out the disproportionate, only very mildly, nature of her shoulders and her hips. So she has Bardot necklines, you know, high necklines, asymmetric, etc., etc. And that's where she will change things up. She also, yeah, I know it's great, isn't it? And she also learned a lot from the Queen. And this is another little style tip, really, um, in that she wears an awful lot of monochrome. And so this means it doesn't just mean black and white, this means wearing head to toe one colour. And it makes you very instantly recognisable. It certainly reinforced the Queen's personal brand. And now it's doing the same for Kate. It makes a very strong, dramatic look and also has the added advantage, not that Kate needs this, of making you look taller and more slender. And if we're talking about the Queen, instantly recognisable in a crowd. She famously say, said that if she wore beige, no one would know who she was. And she True. was right. Yeah, yeah. she was right. So that's Kate. Very careful, very considered, elegant, classic, Sometimes a little bit boring. Some people would say, classics do say, you know, critics do say. And I think as a celebrity stylist, I understand why they said that because I'm someone who loves to play with fashion because it is so much fun and you can really 
get into creating these dramatic effects and shapes and colours and prints. And particularly with her height and her frame, you could get away with all sorts of wonderful creations. However, in her royal role, which she takes very seriously, she does have to dress quite conservatively, naturally, again, to comply with royal etiquette. So what she has done, actually, quite cleverly, is always dressed for the last five years or so, maybe a little bit longer, she started to dress a little bit older than she actually is, which does make her look a little bit extra conservative at times. But actually, it's quite clever because as she progresses through her years and into the position of, well, future queen and queen, eventually, there's not going to be such a difference. So the royals always take into account the photographs that they look back on um, and outfits as a collective. So if they go on a tour, they will look at the entire outfit selection as a whole um, rather than just a single outfit. It has to be cohesive. It's like you're in a play or something like that. And similarly with photographs and outfits, very often they'll try to make them look as classic as they possibly can. And then when you look back at these photographs in years to come, they don't look terribly outdated. So, which which really does work. Um, so that's why interesting. Yeah, it is fa- oh, I can tell you. It's fascinating. Awesome. It's so fascinating. <laughs> and because you've mentioned the late Queen Elizabeth II a couple of times, let's transition into her, because like you say, such a recognisable style. Oh, she does. And we all miss her terribly, don't we? I, I, you know, I really do. And there's such a rich history that she's given us that, again, I love to delve into from my various videos and things on YouTube and TikTok and whatnot. But the Queen is a very bold and dramatic dresser. So she's actually a very selfless dresser. And she first coined the term or, well, actually personified the term diplomatic dressing. So this is not dressing for herself. If she were to, she would be walking around in joppers, headscarves, you know, sensible coats and, and woolly jumpers probably and welly boots mm-hmm. uh, because she's very much a country girl and loves her animals and everything else, loved her animals. But no, she takes her duty very, very seriously, as does Kate, actually, which is why she's such a great follow on from her and would always dress to make others around her feel special, comfortable, acknowledged, whether that was wearing the national colours of the flag of the country she was visiting, a symbolic uh, brooch perhaps with a national emblem of the country she was visiting or the guests she was entertaining, or, or whatever. But she she definitely dressed to send messages and to make people feel very welcomed and very loved. And she was in turn loved for that. And then we have to talk about a hairstyle uniform, which I know I've touched upon with Kate, but the Queen really got that nailed in the first place. And, um, you know, you just close your eyes and think of the Queen and we've all got the same image. It's a matching hat, usually with some quite fun embellishments, that, that simple shift coat over a simple shift dress, all of it in the same bright, usually, colour. The same shoes, one of, I think, about 300 Lorna handbags, top-handled handbags. She'd have the gloves if she needed them. She'd have a matching brolly, you know, and then she had her, her pearls and her brooches. And we loved her. We loved her for that. And it was a style uniform. It was It made dressing effortless, no decision fatigue in the mornings for the Queen, apart from perhaps which colour to wear. It was all categorised and logged by her dresser, Angela Kelly. Even every outfit was given a name, actually. So, you know, shall, shall we wear Angela today or shall we wear Queenie today or whatever? They could they could refer to them, which I think is lovely. 
And then she also just loved her brides, which was, as I said, so that she could stand out from the crowd and be seen so clearly by everyone, which is just lovely. Which was amazing. And now, of course, we have Camilla, Queen Consort. So in many ways, she's sort of taking that position along with King Charles as, as sort of the, the head of the royal family. Let's talk about her style, because it's, I would say, probably been quite up and down over the years. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because Camilla gets a lot of flack and a lot of criticism for her style. And I, I know she's a controversial figure because of obviously the history there with Diana. But um, I've done some deep dives into Camilla's style recently, actually, for several um, uh, TV things. And actually, it hasn't changed as much as you would think over the years. So I went and looked back at some early photographs of her and Charles, actually, in the early 1970s. And she didn't look that different. She still had the same flicky blonde furrow faucet hair, which is still her trademark, you know, big, big hair. Um, she still had an amazing tan, which doesn't seem to have left her whatsoever. Her makeup is still barely there. <laughs> but she loved colour and actually wore similar shapes to how we see her today. So there's not as much of a difference as, as you would think. I think with Camilla, I would describe her her tribe, and I did for the, this Style Tribe article, as very flamboyant, um, quite fun. And she sort of doesn't give a damn in a really good way. I think she's experienced enough hardship and trials and tribulations in her life. And she's got to the age where she's fully comfortable with herself. She's finally allowed to be with the love of her life, which is in itself, I know it was very tragic with Diana, but it was also very tragic with Camilla and Charles and the fact they couldn't be together. And there, there was a lot of heartache and heartbreak there generally. It's come full circle now and it's a, a lovely ending. Um, and you just get the impression that she and Charles are madly in love. All these lovely photographs of them, you know, roaring with laughter, with tears down their face, you know, streaming down their faces. Um, and she's just really living life and enjoying it and doesn't really care what others think, which I think is all to her credit. And because of her position, she's not under the same scrutiny as Kate or Meghan uh, were because she's not young and fashionable and, you know, in that sense of the word. So she's had more freedom, really, to develop her own sense of style and get, get the basics right. And her hemlines have definitely dropped uh, by about six inches over the last few years. She becomes more regal um, mm -hmm. as fitting our future queen. And she looks great in sort of an ice cream palette of pastel colours look really good on her. She favours a small group of similar designers, Bruce Oldfield included, who's doing her coronation gown, of course. Can't wait to see that. Mm -hmm. um, who she turns to time and time again. Um, she loves her bling, does Camilla, which is great. So she'll go for much bolder pieces than generally than Kate or Meghan, for example. And really, it's all about her crowning glory. So whether that's her big, fabulous hair or her huge headpieces. So when she got married, I thought that headpiece was absolutely incredible that she wore. It was just beautiful. And she can take these big, bold tiaras that they give her as well because she's quite statuesque at five foot seven. She's got a good body scale to sort of take it, you know, it'd be lost on someone very, very petite. Mm -hmm. And she looks absolutely fantastic. So I love it. And I, I can't see, I can't wait to see what she wears at the coronation. It's going to be I so know, fun. me too. Well, when this episode comes out, we yeah. will know. <laughs> I know. 
And you mentioned the late Diana, who, in my opinion, had the most fabulous style. What can we learn from her style tricks and, and hacks? Well, Diana, I mean, Diana was a fascinating one because she was the first royal, if you like, to weaponize fashion. Um, and she really did. We know it's well documented that she was very unhappy and frustrated, you know, with Charles. And it was an unhappy marriage for a lot of the time. But she found solace actually through fashion in the media spotlight and the media well, the whole, the whole world fell in love with Diana and it became so exciting to see what she'd be wearing next to the point where her fame completely eclipsed that of her husband's Prince Charles, which didn't really go down that well, apparently, which you can kind of understand, you know, um, from his point of view, but it just got almost out of hand. But she then started to play. So I think the main thing for Diana, whose style personality or style tribe, if you like, is not only bold and dramatic, but also very sensuous, um, and quite sort of quite flamboyant. She liked to shock and she liked to make statements with her clothes. It might be playing with something that you've always worn one way and finding a new way of wearing it. So very famously, she had she would play with her jewellery. So she might have a necklace that then she would wear around her head as a bit of a bandeau or, tiara, or a tiara that she would create into a necklace. So she loved to, to find new and interesting and innovative ways of wearing it, wearing things like this, which would always just get our attention. And then, of course, there was a very famous revenge dress, which is just utterly iconic now. And she just embodied you know, a woman who was coming back stronger and more self-resilient and ready to sort of attack life in, in every single way following such a traumatic time. And we all got so utterly behind her because we've we've all been there, haven't we? Right at some point of our li- of our lives, um, on the floor, and then she picked herself back up again and just looked amazing. So she had attitude, and also she wore exciting things. You know, we saw her lots in in cycling shorts and trains and things. And you know, I know they were very much in fashion in the day but that's probably another step further compared to the tailored shorts that that uh, Kate and Megan wear these days so she wasn't afraid to push those boundaries and we all loved her for it. Absolutely and talking of Megan what can we learn from her style hacks and, and tips because quite simple but definitely with a sort of LA vibe I would say. Yeah well she kind of she's well, her style has changed, actually, again, now she's left the royal family, which is very understandable because there is a, uh, an etiquette involved and a, and a style um, sort of uniform, I suppose. They all have to develop of their own to reflect their personalities. Um, but when Megan, when Megan was a royal, she brought the California cool vibe to, to the monarchy. Um, and slowly had to sort of find her own way. Now, we know it's very well documented from the documentary in the book, Spare, that she loved wearing neutrals. Well, I say loved, she opted for wearing neutrals as a style strategy, in her own words, so she didn't stand out in an effort to fit in and blend in with the royals because she was unsure of herself. It's interesting that that came out because it was something that I'd observed about her beforehand, sort of a year or so ago. But it's actually something we can all learn from because neutrals are an effortless way to always look chic. And I always say to anyone that's not confident with their style and certainly afraid of colour, 
if you just pick two or three principal neutrals and have most of your wardrobe, sort of 80 or 90% made up of those, you will never, ever go wrong because neutrals always go together. Um, and that sort of slightly more muted colour palette always looks very, very expensive. And it, it, this could be anything from white to grey to navy blue. In Megan's case, it was a lot of beige, camels, coppers, blacks, those sort of darker tones, which went with her lovely dark hair. And then in later years, she wore a lot of white, which I think she's very good at communicating with Megan. I mean, she's a trained actress, as am I, actually. So we, we know a trick or two when it comes to, when it comes to getting dressed and getting a message across. And um, there's something called colour psychology, which perhaps we might cover another time because it's the most thick and it's fascinating. And just to give you a little sort of slice of that, every colour has both an energetic frequency that we uh, pick up on subconsciously, whether we know it or not, and also has connotations due to its history and traditions of being used in various countries. So to give you an example of that, blue happens to be, I think, Unofficially, but I'm going to say officially, the royal family's favourite colour. It's the single colour they wear the most of. The Queen did, Kate Middleton did. Actually, Meghan probably didn't, um, but I'll come on to Meghan in a moment. But it's Camilla mm. wears an awful lot of blue and loves the shade as well. And blue is was synonymous with Aparit Chakra, as I'm sure many of our Indian listeners will know. So is the colour of effective communication for that association, that reason as well. And it's also associated with professionalism, responsibility, trust, which is why we'll often see medical professionals in blue. It's a very calming and reassuring colour. So if you put all that together, communication, professionalism, trust, reassurance, that's a great vibe for the royals to be putting out there. You know, it's great for their brand image, great PR, um, consciously or not not, uh, consciously. So that's why they wear a lot of blue. But Meghan obviously had a very tumultuous time and um I always say we never ever know what goes on behind closed doors we only get one version of it and often a very skewed version and it's really hard you know I don't think it's also it's no one's place to judge either we all have hard times and we all do things we're not proud of but we do know she wasn't happy and we do know she had a tough time so she employed the style strategy of wearing an awful lot of white and this is then going back to color psychology so colour psychology is, is a fascinating topic because there's so many reasons to wear all these shades. And white is, well, not only did it look amazing with her complexion, because she's actually a winter colour palette. So she looks really good in the dual colours and also, and also monochrome. She looks best in monochrome. So white really set off her beautiful skin and dark hair and dark eyes and literally lights her up. So it was a great decision from that point of view. But also... White is synonymous synonymous with angelicism, purity, innocence. Um, So it was a subtle way of saying to the world without having to say anything, following in her mother-in-law's footsteps, Diana, help, I'm innocent in all of this. You know, I'm feeling like a victim or I am a victim. Um, Again, no judgment here, but it was just Megan's way of pushing across that she wanted to be pure and or seemed to be pure and clean, not judged, and you know she was doing her best in her own way. So I think that's really interesting. 
It's so interesting. I find this all so fascinating. And what I'm intrigued to know two things, actually. First thing is, which star tribe do you and I sit in? That's what I want to know. Because I kind of a mixture. The thing is, British stylist, you know, I'm almost my own worst enemy because I love and can appreciate the the artistry and the you know so many different aesthetics. I've just been covering the Met Gala for the male, so I've gone down a whole rabbit hole with that again. And you know, I can just I want I want to wear every outfit because I can appreciate them for what they do so I could fit into all of them but I suppose if I was going to be one I'd probably say funnily enough the queen yes I love colour I love a bit of drama and I quite like to stand out from a crowd with my with my so I agree go. for sure which one am I in Miranda you know me I <laughs> I'm gonna say a mixture of Megan and Kate actually, because yeah. you wear a lot, you wear a lot of white, and obviously mm-hmm. you are quite Megan has a very natural style personality, actually. Um, you know, she looks beautiful without that much makeup on. Um, she often just lets her beauty and her bubbly personality do the talking and wears quite understated clothes, and she loves her athleisure, mm-hmm. all of which I think apply to you. Um, but you also, I know, put a lot of effort into looking fantastic for your social media and your photographs and things, and you very carefully curate your closet, your closet and are really good at accessorising and putting outfits together which I think is a touch of Kate. So that's where I would put you, my friend. I love that. That's a good combination, I think. (laughs) And my other question I have is now we're armed with this knowledge about these star tribes, how can we convert this into our day-to-day life? How can we open our wardrobe after either watching this or listening to this and actually think, okay, so I sit in this star tribe. Now, how am I going to convert that to what I'm going to wear tomorrow or at the weekends or next week? I would say use it as your inspiration. So we all get, we all have flat dull times where we fall out of love with our wardrobes or nothing fits anymore. Oh, that's me at the moment, actually. But yeah, I remember you saying, actually, when we went for lunch a couple of weeks ago, you were like, I want to start again. <laughs> you can either take that as an opportunity or as an overwhelming, you know, thing to do. But I just, yeah, it's funny how... Sometimes your whole aesthetic changes, but anyway. anyway. Um, but if you love the style of a particular royal and you've been inspired by some of the things that we said, then I would, first of all, make a little collection of the images that you like about them, either on your phone or you can cut out magazines or print them out the old-fashioned way and stick them on the inside of your wardrobe and use that as a little bit of an inspiration and bounce-off point for you so then if you're stuck for something to wear you can look at some of your favorite pictures of some of your favorite royal outfits and how they get it right or if you have to go shopping you can refer to this little visual list that you've got and use it as a bouncing off point for inspiration because you know fashion is definitely a creative process and we're all so much nicer people when we love what we wear I can't guarantee that we're all going to turn into Kate Middleton overnight (laughs) That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you could help to isolate some of the style points that she um, sort of hits every time that work for you and feel great in your own uh, skin, then it's a win-win situation. Absolutely. And final question is, what I know that you're hugely passionate about is dressing to feel good, which you've just touched on a little bit. 
how can we use fashion? How can we use our own personal styling to really help us feel good on the inside, good in our mind, good in our body, good in our soul, good in our face? Maybe you could give a few tips to finish um, on that note. Absolutely. And, the, you know, I, I take my own advice on this every single day. And the, uh, actually, the days that I don't, I'll caveat that, it makes a huge difference. So um, it very simply we all deserve to feel beautiful, no matter our age, shape, size, gender, race, et cetera, et cetera. All of us deserve to feel beautiful because we all are. And variety is the spice of life and it, it's what makes things interesting and exciting as well. So if you spend that little bit of extra time in the mornings or invest the time once a week, if that's the better approach for you, depending on the job in hand, in how you look. So that might be spending an extra five minutes on your makeup and hair, just to feel a bit more judgy. It doesn't have to be anything overly complicated, but doing a bit of makeup or basic makeup as opposed to doing none will make an enormous difference to how you conduct yourself, how you feel in the day. And then going on the law of attraction um, theme, is it something that I, I practice a lot as well? I'm a coach, which I bring into my work. You know, you put the energy out that you, you attract back the energy that you're putting out. So you are the energy that you're putting out into the world. So if you're feeling a bit, a bit zhuzhy and a bit happier and perkier than normal, all those vibes are going to be magnified back to you and you will pay the dividends and reap the rewards. Um, and that's the same with your outfits. You know, don't save your favourite things. And we're all guilty of it. Mm. Don't save them for best. Get them on um even if they're dressier things and, and and you're better looking things actually you can make some really fun outfits with a combination of dressy things and really casual things you know so play be experimental find the fun in wearing bold colors and outfits that make you feel really really great because you deserve I know we're all busy and I'm the first person to let things go to pot when I'm too busy, but I have to keep bringing myself back because I've got to walk my, walk my talk. <laughs> but we all deserve to feel our best every single day. And fashion and beauty is such a quick fire way to short circuit that and literally take us up that, that sort of frequency graph, you know, so we're approaching a high vibe feeling and a high, a high vibe day rather than just a mer day or worse. So take the time. I know it's cheesy, but you are worth it. Yes, I agree, Miranda. I love that so much. And I'd really like you to share with everyone how they can find out more about what you do, how they can follow you on social media and how they can get more of these fabulous style tips. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Well, I can be found pretty much everywhere at The Miranda Holder. So I've got a YouTube which is longer form sort of style. I do a body shape series on there and long form royal style videos, Met Gala videos. Then I've got TikTok, which is full of royal fashion fun and facts. Uh, Instagram as well, at the Miranda Holder. I've probably forgotten something, but I, th I think those are the main ones. Yeah, Come and they're the main ones. And your website? What's your website? Yeah, thank you. It's hello. No, it's not. That's my email. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Miranda. It's always a pleasure chatting to you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and see you soon. Be back Thank soon. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate and review it. Let me know when you listen to episodes, tag me in on Instagram at Face Yoga Expert. And don't forget to check out my website, faceyogaexpert.com, which has all the information about my teacher training, my two books, Danielle Collins Face Yoga and the Face Yoga Journal, my skincare range, Fusion by Danielle Collins and all the other courses and offerings that I have. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.